Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Alberta Roundup. I'm your host, Rachel Emanuel. I hope that you guys are having a great week so far. I, for one, am definitely enjoying some of this warmer weather. Here's what we're going to be taking a look at on today's show. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith said conservatives need to learn how to win in big cities. I also have an update for you all on Bill C-69, or as former Premier Jason Kenney so endearingly called it, the No More Pipelines bill. Alberta Finance Minister Travis Taves has made a big announcement, and the NDP have a new proposal. Is it vote pandering, or is it actually a good idea? All that and more happening now on the Alberta Roundup. Okay guys, up first. Speaking about the spring general election, Alberta Premier Danielle Smith said that conservatives need to learn how to win in big cities. She was speaking on Thursday at the Canada Strong and Free Networking Conference. That was of course formally called the Manning Conference. Take a listen to her comments now. The the, the good news is that we're finally united um, as a a conservative movement. Now we just have to gain a little bit more ground in, in, uh, in Calgary and in Edmonton. And I would say this because this is a challenge for all conservatives, is we have to figure out how to win in big cities. Because increasingly, people are moving to big cities. And I understand completely why rural Alberta loves us, because our values resonate so well with rural Alberta. We we believe in individual freedom and also strong families and multi-generational families, often working a family business, often a family farm. A lot of people are involved in their faith community. Their faith community does a lot of good works in the community. So you've got free enterprise. And then when people do really well, they also give back to their community with with philanthropy. Like that is the full conservative vision and it's played out every single day in rural Alberta. Now, when you get to larger cities, there's a a few more disconnects. The families are are not uh, necessarily all together in the same city and you don't necessarily have generational and family businesses and you don't necessarily have people who even know their neighbors let alone getting involved in community groups. So it's a, it's a, it's a very different challenge in how, you, in how you, uh, you talk to an urban audience. So I can tell you, I'm a pretty known quantity as my conservative libertarian views since I've been in the public for a long time. But a, a lot of uh, the vision that we're putting forward is one where we don't just focus on the dollars and cents. I have felt like conservatives say, vote for me, and I will cut your taxes, cut your regulation, cut your spending. And we don't really have a vision for what it is that we're going to do with all of those dollars that get generated from taxes, other than just hand it over to the same people that the guys on the left hired. And why would we think that we would get conservative policy if we do that? I think what we we really need to do is to develop a vision for how we apply our conservative values to the delivery of public services. Also this week, Alberta government lawyers made their case for upholding a lower court ruling, which found the federal government's Impact Assessment Act, also known as Bill C-69, to be unconstitutional. The Supreme Court of Canada began hearings on Tuesday as the federal government asks it to overrule that Alberta Court of Appeal ruling. 
Several provincial governments told Canada's top court that the act undermines their ability to determine their own future. In written legal documents to Canada's Supreme Court, the federal attorney general argued that the act was adopted to quote, establish a federal environmental assessment process to safeguard against adverse environmental effects in relation to matters within federal jurisdiction. Under the Canadian constitution, provinces have exclusive rights over resource development but neither the provinces nor the federal government have total control over environmental regulation. Alberta government lawyer Bruce Mellet argued that Alberta already has a comprehensive review process for projects, and now the federal government wants to enforce this act which prioritize federal policies. Manitoba lawyer Charles Murray argued, quote, What we don't need is one party always holding the trump card. While Quebec lawyer Frederick Perrault argued that the province's main concern is preserving the balance of federalism. Perrault said, quote, We're asking the court not to give the federal laws more favorable treatment than provincial ones. Premier Smith also briefly touched on this legal battle at the Canada Strong and Free Networking Conference. Here's what that sounded like. We just think we can reach carbon neutrality a different way if we export our LNG that reduces emissions of more polluting fuels elsewhere. And that's one way that we think we would be able to, to reduce our emissions. We believe carbon capture utilization and storage will ultimately help us to capture and bury or, or, or embed it into useful products. We believe that we will be able to use natural gas as a precursor to potentially a hydrogen economy at some point. We've got hydrogen uh, uh, construction happening in our province. Geothermal is a, an also a potential. Small modular nuclear is going to come on stream in Ontario and New Brunswick. I'm watching that with great interest. I'd love to see that. So those are the things that make sense for our economy. And those are the things we could work uh, constructively with the, with the federal government on. But when you have an ideological government that wants to achieve unrealistic targets as quickly as they do. It's just, we're on a, co a collision course. And so you're gonna see the first of that in the courts this week. Um, but we're, we're really hoping that, uh, that we're able to convince them to back off. On Friday morning, UCP MLA, leadership runner-up, and Alberta's finance minister, Travis Taves announced that he will not seek re-election in the next provincial election, which of course is coming up in May. Travis Taves, of course, came second last in the UCP leadership contest won by Daniel Smith in October on the sixth and final ballot. He says while he's not seeking re-election, he remains deeply committed to the conservative movement. Okay guys, and moving into the controversy of the week, I'm curious to hear what you all think about this. The Alberta NDP said that if elected government in May, they will create a Somali curriculum. During question period on Monday, NDP education critic Sarah Hoffman challenged her UCP counterpart. That's of course, Education Minister Adriana LaGrange. She said the government isn't supporting youth in schools. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. And questioned why the government hasn't yet developed a Somali curriculum. Take a listen to her comments. Given that that's false, and given that Create a Somali curriculum is about celebrating the vibrant language and culture of Somali, Somalia while creating and ensuring that youth are supported in their learning in Alberta schools, and given that we are in the NDP and we are committed to making sure that all students in Alberta schools have the tools they need to be supported, and given that clearly hasn't been a priority under the UCP, we are committed to offering a Somali curriculum. So, why didn't the current education minister or anyone in the UCP make this a priority they've had four years? 
LaGrange responded that schools already have the ability to develop a curriculum for a given student or region if necessary. That includes language and culture needs. This video has been circulating online and one user asked Sarah Hoffman what exactly a Somali curriculum would entail. The NDP deputy leader said it's quote, a chance to learn language and culture of Somalia, just like many other languages we offer in Alberta schools, French, German, Spanish. Now there are a large number of Somali Canadians living in Edmonton where the NDP already have a large stronghold. It sounds like schools already have the authority to develop curriculum based on a given student's needs or even a community's need. I don't know why the NDP is pushing this curriculum, but I'm wondering if you think it's something that's necessary or does it sound like more NDP vote pandering ahead of the spring election? So that's my question of the week for you guys. Comment on the video below and let me know what you think about the NDP's latest proposal. Also this week, Premier Smith announced that $48 million in unpaid municipal taxes are now under repayment plans following a new government directive. She was speaking at the Rural Municipalities of Alberta 2023 convention on Wednesday morning. The Premier touted her government's plan to force oil patch companies to pay unpaid municipal taxes, saying it's, quote, unacceptable when delinquent companies aren't paying their municipal taxes. Under a new government directive, oil patch companies will not be able to transfer licenses or get new ones unless regulators are satisfied that their taxes have been paid. Earlier this month, rural municipalities Alberta released figures that showed energy firms owed $268 million in back taxes in 2022, a figure that is up more than 6% from the year before. Okay guys, and finally, I wanted to end my show with my weekly comment roundup. Last week, I did an interview with Pastor Derek Reimer. He was a pastor that was arrested in Calgary after protesting at a Drag Queen Story Hour. And shortly after our interview, he was arrested for a second time. So I'm gonna take a look at some of your comments here. User Silvana from Chester said, good interview, thank you, and please follow this brave man's story. This is a travesty of justice. This country is sinking into utter depravity. User Angel May Connolly said, glad someone will stand up to drag queens reading to our children. It's not right. Read to those that want to hear that. And a couple of you did comment and say that you thought the length of the podcast was a little bit too long. I think that's a fair criticism. Last week's episode was 20 minutes. I generally try to keep my episodes to 10 minutes. So what I'll do moving forward is maybe a separate video with a full interview and I'll cut some clips from that interview and embed it into my show so that you guys can all get a taste of it. And those of you that actually want to watch the full interview can seek that out and watch it online later. So I do appreciate the constructive criticism there. Okay, guys, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you get to go out for the rest of your Saturday and enjoy the beautiful spring weather that we are finally seeing. I, for one, am very excited about it. As always, if you're able, please consider supporting independent media. You can do so over at donate.tnc.news. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend and God bless.